Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloft. I'm editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, who's our lead author. We sent out a new version of the Transcript newsletter earlier this week, and it was the beginning of earnings season last week. So the banks were reporting, got good insight into what the banks are seeing in the economy, and they continue to see a strong economy driven by really strong consumer spending. Bank of America talked about consumer spending uh, in payments up 23% over 2019, just really strong growth, along with some comments about GDP growth in the 55 to 6% range, which again is just really, really large, especially when you consider that's real GDP that people are, grow- are quoting and not nominal GDP, which we have another 5, 5% plus inflation on top of that. And so speaking of inflation, inflation was, again, a very prominent topic in conference calls last week. The thing that stood out most was actually a presentation from Fed President Raphael Bostic of Atlanta, who was talking about transitory is a dirty word at the, at the Atlanta Fed now, talking about this being episodic inflation and talking about how this episode of inflation may not even be brief. So I think everyone's uh, inflation expectations are getting higher, even longer out. And it's definitely something that the Fed is going to have to act against. Eric, any thoughts on that? I mean, I agree. The fascinating bit was a bit about, I think, the word transitory being a, a swear word now at the Federal Reserve. I think they don't like the word anymore. And I, I, again, like the, the common issues that people have is supply chain issues, I think, and inflation. And those are the topics that people keep, all the CEOs that we read about, like last week, mostly are concerned about. But one thing that I also, I looked at a note from Morgan Stanley this week, and maybe that's why I wanted to ask you a question. They seem to think that the coverage of supply chain issues has actually dwarfed the coverage of demand recovery. So we can see those two in play last week. Like there's a lot of recovery that is going on, like uh, in terms of six, as you say, around 6% growth that's projected for 2021. But then again, on the other hand, uh, we've, what we've been hearing constantly is about the supply chain issues. Do you think like we are a bit of a blowing the issues around supply chain, even though like it's a, more an issue of demand that is way higher than the, the supply that we have currently? Yeah, I mean, I think you and I have done a pretty good job of covering the demand boom for the last year. And that was a theme of everything in the summer for us was just like the euphoric demand recovery in the US and global economy. I think demand is still really strong. I don't think that's the story anymore. I think personally, the story and what we keep covering is the persistence of these supply chain problems that don't seem to be getting better and may last through, you know, into and through 2022. And, you know, those are drivers of inflation, but I think that there's other drivers of inflation here. You know, at one point in history, we used to talk about inflation being a monetary phenomenon. And it's kind of crazy to me that the Federal Reserve, which is probably driving inflation by printing hundreds of billions of dollars a month, seems to abdicate any responsibility in the inflationary boom that we're seeing. I think, uh, especially for the Fed, they are be uh, they're really blaming also the same thing they're blaming the supply chain and they are not at all taking responsibility themselves but something from bank of america ceo that he said is a company is actually making healthy profits it's just like either companies have very strong pricing power most of the companies out there so you expect another very strong quarter in terms of profits from american businesses any thoughts on that yeah i mean i we had a quote i can't remember if, if it's in this week or a week's earlier that 
the inflation and supply chain challenges are hitting small businesses disproportionately. And again, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, that upper echelon, upper tier banks are really dealing with upper tier Fortune 100 type clients who have pricing power to be able to avoid inflation and cram inflation down on customers and suppliers, also have the ability to take disproportionate share of supply chains. So those sorts of investment banks don't necessarily see the same picture that small businesses and small consumers are seeing from an inflationary standpoint, where those entities are, are bearing the brunt of the inflation. $5, $6 gasoline is a real tax on somebody who is, you know, making minimum wage. Yeah, definitely. I think the the small the smaller retailers and small businesses are the ones which are going to be disproportionately affected by this, and they don't have the pricing power. They don't have the power to pass on these kind of uh, price increases to their customers. But something else that we talked about is what if, and I think that was a really good question, which was being asked by was it PNC Financial Services, and fast enough is like what if the supply chain actually flips and companies are actually stocking up a bit too much inventory right now. Because right now it's what's happening is a, a lot of stocking in terms of inventory. Most of the companies and retail investors, retail companies that we followed in the past couple of weeks, they are building up inventory, readying for the, for the season ahead. But then what if something flips at some point and now companies have built an extra 30 to 45 days of time in, into the supply and these uh, supply chains suddenly then becomes better, then companies are going to be stuck with a lot of inventory, especially those ones which are perishable, maybe a bit of a challenge. Thoughts on that? And I think you highlighted it for our premium subscribers as something to note. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it is reflective of the fact that this is a very classic industrial cycle on the one hand. Like we saw this in the 20th century frequently. This was basically the front end of a recession in the 20th century. And what would happen is you would have very strong stimulated demand and you would have a supply chain, which was primarily domestic in the middle of the 20th century that wasn't able to keep up with that demand. And you would have inflationary pressures that uh, were working through the system. And at the site of inflation, the federal government during the 20th century would usually respond. So if you had 5% inflation and 4% unemployment in the 1960s, you probably would already be at like 7% interest rates here. And the Fed would be aggressively tightening more and more, which would flip the economy into a recession. And so on the other side of things, you would be over inventoried that you would be, you know, because there was a demand response to the negative side. But the difference this time around is that the, the Federal Reserve, at least at this point, has no interest in responding to, to these inflationary pressures. To the extent that they do, it's withdrawing stimulus marginally. So we're still going to be printing, actually like heavily stimulating the economy through the middle of next year in terms of quantitative easing, which is like an emergency, um, an emergency measure, an emergency response measure. And then we're not even talking about raising interest rates until thereafter. So, you know, if you're a market participant here, you're looking at the Federal Reserve not really acting to tighten until late 2023, 2024 is what their path is right now. And you've got this inflation and it just means that the most likely outcome is more inflation at this point. Yeah, definitely. I think, and then we noted, of course, this week, uh, things like energy prices are surging a lot. Uh, so that is going, rising fuel prices are definitely also worrying, especially the airlines, which have been in a bit of recovery mode, but they're really worried, especially for Q4 
whether they are able like to handle the very high increases in terms of the uh, prices in energy. Any thoughts on that yourself? Or yeah, I mean, I think all of it. Look, I don't want to be an inflation alarmist here, but people are actually talking about inflation. Regular people are talking about inflation here, and you know that qualitative data again would would have just elicited a totally different response from the U.S. government. 50 years ago than it does today. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, with the housing market, something that we saw in the in the quarters, also like it's still limited supply, very frothy over there. Also, staffing issues have continued. Some restaurants are actually having to close also. Uh, not sure what you're observing where you are, uh, but I hear a lot of companies, at least in the, uh, a, a, a lot of companies last week had to comment about the how they are handling issues to do with both the supply chain and also how they're dealing with uh, labor, the tightness in the labor market. And I had a lot of statistics uh, floating around about a lot of people quitting jobs in August and September. And maybe that's what's driving the, like the, the, the fact that there are fewer people to actually do transportation in trucks. We saw a quote there that said that going into the Q4, transportation issues are not going to ease up. Um, so a couple of things to worry about, but generally, as mo- uh, most of the CEOs uh, said, even though there are issues, uh, the economy is still doing well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> I like, I hear myself being an alarmist here and the inflation right now, securities prices are benefiting tremendously from inflation, which is again, a difference from what it would have been in the 20th century. Like you would have had interest rates going up, cost of capital going up, which would have, you know, put a bit of a lid on equity values. And today we just have this economy where somehow the inflation is all getting captured by the corporate sector. So look, it's all it's all a normative thing of what is good, quote unquote. But yeah, if if you like securities prices rising, that's good. Well, we will have to keep looking at the Q3 earnings this week again. Any other, anything else that captured your thoughts? And uh, maybe one more thing that I wanted to actually highlight myself is: Have you watched Squid Game? <laughs> <laughs> I have not personally watched Squid Game, but I'm glad you brought it up because I think this is one of the most important things happening right now. Yeah. Any thoughts? I, on that? I think <laughs> I think it's really important because it's showing the internationalization of content. The internet is really truly hitting this this inflection point in globalization where. I mean, you're sitting in Sweden right now and I'm sitting in Los Angeles and we talk every week about stuff that's going on globally. This is a new phenomenon that attentions are actually coalescing around certain things. And like, I was looking at Spotify the other day and some of these songs have billions of billions of listens. The entire world moving at once is kind of a crazy thing. Yeah, I think that's that you capture the sentiment quite well there. It's about like local content hitting internationally and hitting in such a way that Squid Game is actually going to be the best in terms of TV series ever for Netflix, which is quite amazing. Hundred and They say, I think something around 111 million uh, people have watched at least two minutes of the episode. I actually did watch a few minutes of it also last week just to capture the, just to get a sense of how the, the movie is all about. It's also, it's based on uh, the, a story of people, ca- someone caught up in a death spiral and then they have to go to these uh, games where they compete for prize money so that they're able to get that money to actually uh, pay off their debts. So again, it's really, it, it, it resonates a lot to people, to a lot of people who are maybe struggling, especially because of the pandemic and all. 
Uh, so maybe that could be the global appeal in the in the TV series. But generally, I say uh, Netflix are super pumped, and at least they are reporting earnings this week. So it will be interesting to get the numbers from them on what they think about the TV series. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for Netflix, 10 years ago, I thought it would be a Herculean lift to get to 100 million subscribers. And now I look at it and go, I don't see why they can't get to a billion subscribers, which means that there's still upside for this stock. And so, something that I read also is I think their, their strength is actually, you know, compared to Disney, Disney have a, like a rich IP content. So compared to them, uh, Netflix don't have that. So they, they're not kind of bound by legacy. They can adventure, they can take their adventures wherever it leads for them. So maybe last year it was took them to France, which and then they had one of the best hitting TV series from there. And this year it takes them to South Korea to create a whole movie. And now they're also selling merchandise around the around the movie itself, around the TV series itself. So it's pretty interesting to see how the stock itself goes. But generally, again, it captures the internationalization of this local content. So local content capturing the international audiences. One other important catalyst that I think we caught last week that I just wanted to highlight before we break is uh, JP Morgan talking about loosening credit standards in commercial real estate. That's something we picked up earlier too in a previous issue that commercial real estate sector had been an area where there had been the most tightness because people were wondering whether people will actually go back to offices. But I think banks loosening credit into that sector can be a very positive catalyst for that sector. And that is one sector that's still depressed from COVID. So there may be some investment opportunities there. Great. I think on that note, we'll end for this week. So thank you for joining us. Uh, See you next week on the Transcripts uh, podcast. You can leave us your comments and send us your feedback on at admin at theweeklytranscript.com. So see you next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone.